estate planning, and the purchase or sale of your business. Harker Mellinger has been providing professional valuation services since 1995. Schedule an appointment today to discuss how a business valuation can work for you. Harker Mellinger, located at 1811 South Sheridan Avenue in Sheridan. You opened your account with your local Sunlight Federal Credit Union, but maybe you find yourself on vacation or going to college or are moving away and you wonder how will you access your account. Well, don't worry, it has never been easier. You can access your account at more than 5,000 co-op shared branch locations in all 50 states, just like you were at your home credit union. To find the nearest branch, visit coopsharedbranch.org. Sunlight Federal Credit Union, banking done local no matter where you are. Sunlight Federal Credit Union, member NCUA, an equal housing lender, building a brighter future together. This announcement brought to you by Farmers Co-op Country Store on Coffee Avenue, home of ethanol-free premium fuel. The Advocacy and Resource Center's 6th Annual Love Shouldn't Hurt Fundraiser is February 17th. The doors at the Ramada open at 6 p.m. Come be entertained by the fun piano's dueling pianos and finish the evening with sidetrack. Tickets are available at the center, 136 Coffeine, or at the door. $60 a ticket or $100 for two. For more information, call 672-7471 or check out our Facebook page. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program. Brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting and with me this morning is the Executive Director of the Museum at the Bighorns, Daniel Stuckel. Good morning, Daniel. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's, it's kind of chilly out there. You said you had to drive back up from uh, somewhere in Colorado last night. I was it, in Denver. It wasn't too bad. No, it was. There were good roads yesterday, last night when I came back. They're a little rough this morning. So if you're coming from Buffalo, or if you're heading that direction, uh, sixty-five is going to be the top speed that you want to go. And even in some parts, I think I was doing maybe fifty, fifty-five. It gets a little hairy out there. So just make sure that you're being safe. All right, Danielle, how are things going down at the museum? Really good. We have a lot of things going on. I'm feeling just a little bit of stress trying to keep all the balls in the air, but we are just churning out ideas and moving forward as fast as we can. And when it comes to things down there, uh, since you've taken over, what would you say has been your greatest challenge to overcome so far? Well, the biggest challenge is also the thing I'm most grateful for. There are a lot of things that are the foundations of how a business runs that I'm I'm putting some time in doing a lot of planning. So that that's a huge challenge to we're developing a business plan and fundraising plan and marketing plan. But it's also a at the same time, a wonderful opportunity for us to take a step back and figure out kind of like starting with a brand new organization. What are we going to do in these spaces? How are we going to move forward and plan programs and and kind of reorganize as a museum and move forward together? So the thing that I'm most grateful for is the same thing that is my biggest challenge. Yeah, a strategic <laughs> planning. Exactly. Yes. Uh, like you said, there's so many other businesses out there and organizations, uh, especially 501c3s, usually have like a, a 2510 or something like that plan yeah. uh, going forward. Are you guys contracting out to anybody or is this just you and your team sitting down? 
laying right, all this out. Right now, it's uh, myself and my collections manager, Jessica, and we have a volunteer board that does a lot of heavy lifting. I'm very grateful for the relationship I have with my board. They're, they've been so supportive, and um, they, they volunteer their time and expertise and knowledge of the community, and we couldn't do any of this without them. But we're looking to recruit volunteers and that's our leadership pipeline. As we recruit volunteers to get involved, uh, we like to look at people who um, are potential board members or people oh, wow. who might potentially be, um, as we're in a position to hire part-time staff or full-time staff, we like to look at who's who's volunteering. So we're, we're really looking to scale our organization up on a shoestring. And, yeah. and the, the volunteers that we have involved right now are... Um, our board members, we do have a few other volunteers, but the bulk of, of how we're moving forward is with our volunteer board members and uh, the two paid staff, including me. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, shoestring, right? <laughs> yep, Trying exactly. to accomplish a lot with very little. Yeah, yep. Now, uh, when it comes to a lot of those volunteers, and uh, when you sit down with your board, what is the time scale? that you have when it comes to these are the exhibits that are coming in. These are the exhibits that are going out. Do you sit down and discuss these things? And do you have like 10 years from now, we're going to have this exhibit come in. Maybe not that far out, but there are times when you're planning that far out, but it depends what kind of um, objects you have. If you have to get a lot of stuff on loan, but for the most part, a lot of museums are on a two-year cycle, and a lot of core, your permanent exhibits tend to some stay around longer than others. There's there's not really there's a lot of museums that don't really have permanent exhibits that stay forever. Some of the longer exhibits will last for maybe five years or ten years, but a lot of stuff has a two-year cycle. But we do also have. Sometimes something is newsworthy and you have a couple weeks to pull something together because, oh, here's a great opportunity to feature something that people people haven't seen in years. And this relates to a news cycle. And yeah. how do we get this out in front of people quickly? So sometimes things are we have two weeks to do this. <laughs> Catch that uh, that lightning in a bottle when there's buzz exactly. around an object or, or a section of history. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah. so you're constantly having to kind of keep up on current events like that. Yeah, yeah. Lots of different timelines, lots of shifting, lots of shifting dates to stay on top of. <laughs> yeah. And I can only think, say, like uh, a movie about Hugh Glass were to come out or something like that or a, mu- a movie about the Johnson County Cattle War, something yeah. like that. You would jump on that in a moment. Absolutely, the, the, the timing is too good. We, I like to joke that those are the the low hanging fruit that we really need to. That's a great hook. There's already publicity um, about this issue. How can we leverage that? Yeah. So when it comes to some of the permanent exhibits. What are some of the ways that you and Jessica have discussed to kind of refresh those? Uh, you get a lot of people around here who who are really loyal to the museum. They visit it quite often. But even for me, I mean, I used to uh, help a buddy of mine clean what's called the Oregon Trail Interpretive Center, a massive museum over in Baker City. And, you know, after I'd been up there so many times, uh, I went with family members later on, and I was like, eh, I've seen it. <laughs> you know, it's, well... 
I really appreciate that you set this up really well for me to talk about our interpretive plan. We have one of the planning things that a museum goes through is an interpretive plan, which helps us decide what exhibits and programs should we be featuring and who are our audiences that are already coming in and interested in these things and who are audiences that we're missing that we would like to attract with new things. And so we're going through an interpretive planning process. And and some of that is just staff you know, writing out ideas of what we think exhibits should be and programs should be. But it's there's a component of that that is touching base with our community, touching base with representatives of the tourism industry. How are we attracting and appealing to visitors coming into the community? And how are we appealing to our current members? How are we um, developing programs that would appeal to new members and people who aren't currently visiting? And to get a better idea of that, we can't just sit in our little bubble and, and make guesses. The best way to find out what people want is to talk to people. Yeah. So we are the next year definitely we're going to be looking at opportunities where we can work with other nonprofits, um local government representatives, how do we tap into the uh, their um their networks? How do we um do things like um is it third Thursday that yeah. we do in the summer? How do we represent our organization there where we can talk to people who just random people off the street who might not already be involved in our organization and we can have a nice conversation with them about what does it mean to you to live in Sheridan why does this place appeal to you what do you think of when you think of Sheridan and how can our museum be developing programs and exhibits that reflect that Mm. and so it's just a lot of talking to people doing surveys but you know just having conversations and We want to do a lot of that in the next year so that the plans that we're making and the exhibits that we're developing really reflect what what people want and are interested in and reflects the community, reflects the community to visitors and um, reflects the community back to itself. We're, We're always talking about how exhibits are both a mirror and a window. They're a window to look out into other people's perspectives, but they're also a mirror to reflect back to you what what you see in the community or don't see. And um, to do a good job of that, it's talking to people. And so many times, you know, we think to ourselves, well, we got to learn from history. Uh, But what does that really mean? Yeah. Um, You know, what am I going to learn from this history? And how is looking back through that window going to change me. Yeah. Uh, Cause in certain situations there have been exhibits that I've been at where I walked away, not uncomfortable, but introspective Yeah, uh, and reflective on some of the things that the U S government has done um, that, you know, probably wasn't uh, popular even at the time, but wasn't well known. Yeah. Um, but what does that mean? How does that change my perspective of, you know, the country I love? Yeah. What does that mean about me and my beliefs? And- yeah. Well, there's a huge uh, trending conversation in the museum industry right now about whether or not museums are neutral. And there's a, a lot of people who... You know, if you work, if I worked for many years as a state employee, and our we worked very hard to present 
neutral exhibits that um, people felt we weren't didn't necessarily have a particular agenda. Yeah. We were trying to present different perspectives. But there are a lot of museums out there that their mission does have a specific agenda to teach people about something, and they're not neutral. And so the big conversation is where is, you know, on the spectrum, where is the right place for a particular museum to fall? And that's different for every organization. What is your mission? What is your audience? Who are you trying to appeal to? Who are your donors? Who are your members? So that's a, a lot for a museum to think about. And for a community like ours, we're always probably going to tend trend towards a more neutral um, platform. But what we want is we don't want an exhibit to simply be an encyclopedia article on the wall. Yeah. We want people to come away thinking, just like you experienced, thinking about you know, what is your perspective and how did that perspective develop? What are your life experiences and how does that compare to what other people have experienced? So we don't necessarily want to hit somebody over the head with a big agenda, but we really want to have people have an opportunity to learn what, um, oh, this is why somebody else feels this way. This is what their life experience was and it's so different from mine. And that's why we are struggling to see eye to eye on this issue yeah and, and daniel that is so interesting i i mean i i i guess i haven't sat and really thought you know of course not to, to the degree that you have about like do museums have agendas i yeah. never really considered that but like looking back through a lot of the museums that i have visited in the past wow yeah a lot of them did have an agenda to try and present it, it's it's not always just here's the facts and some stuff yeah that well if you have a human telling a story there's a bias even if you're I, i'm my professional academic background is a historian so i i try to be very cognizant of what are the biases i'm just inherently bringing to this and as i interpret this topic what are stories that i'm missing if if i am bringing um you know a a female non-native perspective to the story I'm telling about indigenous culture, uh, I need to be talking to other people because my perspective is not the only one that should be reflected in that exhibit. Yeah, you and I have no idea what that's like. Right, right. So again, it's another example of a lot of talking to people who, who are the people that we should be representing and how do we really bring those people into the fold in a meaningful way. Not We don't want to do things that are, you know, a token um, attempt to include somebody. We want to really be deeply thinking about how we're representing different people and their opportunity to tell their own stories. It's, it's a complicated mix that we often don't get right <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah it's, it's easy to screw up <laughs> it's, it really is and and you know uh, i think about museums around wyoming who who you know have like native american displays and the two that come to my mind right off the bat are the buffalo bill cody museum in cody wyoming yeah and the jim getchall museum over there in Sh uh, in buffalo excuse me and and both of them have taken steps to make sure that the items that are on display are representative of the culture but are also taken care of and and that the the natives that are that are included within those cultures 
are included in the conversations of how that history is presented. Yeah. Um, which I think is absolutely necessary in this day and age. And you're yeah. basically saying the same thing. Yeah. And I like to tell people, I like to remind them that when you're talking to any type of minority group or uh, group that has come together around a, an identity, if you've talked to one person, you've only talked to one person. Yeah. Native Americans um, as a group are as diverse as anybody else. You have very conservative Republican voting Native Americans to very um, liberal, um, progressive Native Americans. And if you just talk to one or two people, you still really aren't reflecting that incredible, dynamic, diverse community. There's 500 federally recognized tribes. So if you talk to one Native American person and think that you just did your job to reflect that community. No, you really didn't. <laughs> yeah, you are wrong, right? There's there's a lot more to it. Yeah. There's a lot more to it. All right, when we come back, we're going to continue with the Museum of the Bighorns. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM. Share Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 and a $1,000 marketing match donation from Shared Media as part of their community commitment. School District Number 3 is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust, Shared Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. The Y.O. Theater presents National Theater Live's production of Book of Dust, Thursday, January 26th at 6 p.m. This gripping adaptation revisits Philip Pullman's fantastical world in which waters are rising and storms are brewing. Two young people and their demons find themselves at the center of a terrifying manhunt. And as the waters rise around them, powerful adversaries conspire for mastery of dust. Tickets for Book of Dust are available online now at yotheater.com. I'm Dr. Joshua Scott, general surgeon with the Bighorn Surgical Team at Sheridan Memorial Hospital. After surgery, we all want to get back on our feet, doing what we love as fast as possible. That's why we are so excited to have our state-of-the-art Da Vinci robotic-assisted surgery system. The Da Vinci surgical system is designed to be one of the safest and least invasive options for surgery. Our highly trained team of surgeons is located right here in Sheridan, allowing you to remain close to family and friends during your recovery. If surgery is in your future, talk to your surgeon about robotic-assisted surgery or go to SheridanRoboticSurgery.com to learn more. Remember when your mom used to say, don't break your arm, patting yourself on the back? Well, if you ignored her and broke your arm, then the Health Nut is the place for you to get all healthy again. Every inch of the Health Nut can make you feel better about yourself. The soup, sandwich, and deli bar and smoothie so good you'll forget you even got a broke arm. Remember when your mom used to say you'd forget your head if it wasn't attached to your shoulders? Well, we can't fix that. But most everything else at the Health Nut on Sheridan's 5th Street. This is Christy at Buffalo Realty, and I would like to tell you about this beautiful country home just a few minutes from Claremont, Wyoming, on over eight acres and features exquisite views. The main level has kitchen, dining, living room, and a breakfast nook, covered patio, and striking landscaping. The upper level has two bedrooms and a full bath, laundry, and office. Interested? Call me. 
Christy Kinghorn at Buffalo Realty, connecting people with property. Football fans want football food, so head to the Oasis Lounge, even on Sundays, because they open at 10 a.m. with your favorite football foods and drink specials. The Oasis Lounge also has the NFL package, so all the games will be on. Call your friends and make plans for Sunday football at the Oasis Lounge inside the Ramada Plaza in Sheridan. And be sure to sign up and play the Pro Football Pick'em at SheridanMedia.com because you could win this week's prize, a $100 gift certificate to the Ramada Plaza. <laughs> Good morning and welcome back to Public Balls. Brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. And this morning, my guest is the executive director of the Museum at the Bighorns, Daniel Stuckle. Now, we have spoken uh, this morning about all kinds of different things. Uh, but I think one of my most... One of, one of the most fascinating conversations that I've had with you so far, Danielle, was, was just had. The philosophy of an agenda of a museum and, and how we present information to our public. And, you know, to the layman, that might not be something that ever crosses our minds. Uh, like I, you know, kind of confessed in the first half, I never thought that, oh, well, obviously these guys are trying to direct my opinion in some you know in some right. way but you're right uh and and now i'm going to be even more critical every time i step through a museum which is something that i think we all should be absolutely yeah and we want that we when we work with kids that's one of the things that we want them to learn is that you don't have to have a master's degree in history to be able to tell history uh, we've seen in the science community the rise of science communicators. So people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye try to represent the science community to the general public in a way that's very accessible. And it's not dumbing down information. It's making it easy for people to understand. And we've done similar things in the history field. We have public historians and history communicators who that's our our job that somebody like me who works in a museum or works for a government entity often fills that role. I like to I would like to think of myself as the Bill Nye of the history world. Um, but when we work with kids and the general public, we're trying to help help them understand how they can find accessible history, things that they're personally interested in to dig into. And I've, I've had conversations with people where mm, I don't really like history. It's not my thing. And then they'll go into telling you like this really complicated story about the thing that they're excited about. They know all the baseball statistics ever. <laughs> that's well, baseball that's history. history. Yeah. So my job is to help people connect that and understand that, oh, I do like history. There are things, these stories I care about, my community or my family or my hobby, that's history and that's valuable. And we want to help people understand that it's not just a bunch of dates that you yeah. have to memorize in fourth, fourth grade. It's the things that you care about. How do you tell those stories? And how do you do that in a factual way? How do you access research and, and think about how to share those stories with the research you've done? How do, you, how do museum professionals develop exhibits and programs 
uh, people on a on their daily life scale can do the same thing, and and they do do those things. They everybody has family stories they share and family heirlooms, and those are the things that we have in our museum. The the objects we collect were somebody's family heirloom at one time, or somebody's business records, or you know things from the community that could have ended up in the trash, but they ended up with us instead, and yeah. and we've captured those stories and. And it's um, something that we want. We really want people to understand that they have a, an active, legitimate role in helping to understand what's factual and and what are what are those perspectives based on? Um, are we did we only listen to just what Grandma had to say about that family story, or did we actually ask Grandma's sister about it too? Because she has a totally different version of that yeah. same story <laughs> that's actually that's something you know even in my own family history uh <laughs> there's a story about my dad chasing my aunt with a bug until she passed out <laughs> and uh it depends on who you ask in the family as to what really happened exactly but, uh, it's it's pretty interesting how everything kind of changes from one individual to another and when people get frustrated, well, why did these historians go and reinterpret this, these facts? Well, it's just like finding out what your grandma's sister had to say about your grandma. Exactly. It's, it's, they asked somebody else who was there, yep, too. Exactly. That's so interesting. <laughs> and the more you really think about that, it, it, the more, you know, the thing about science is it produces more question than answers. Yes. And in history, it's the same thing. If yes. We, if we look back into, like, you know, ancient Roman times... A lot of historians back then, a lot of record keepers, a lot of scribes. Yeah. But, you know, information doesn't really survive that well through the ages. And so we might look at one historical event based off of one person's perception. And it's almost kind of scary when you really think about that. Well, yeah, yeah, this is what they saw. Yeah. And we're always interpreting history through the contemporary lens. The current news cycle is so important to the work we do because um, the when you're looking at patterns in history, I like to say that historians are the ultimate futurists. And that's because when you're looking at, when you're trying to understand what type of things are we going to have to deal with in the future, well, how have patterns, you know, what what has happened economically over the last 30 years, 100 years, 500 years, and where can you find patterns of how people have responded in these situations yeah. and how have leaders stepped forward to either um, make things worse or make things better, depending on the particular situation. When people talk about their favorite presidents, if, if it's Abraham Lincoln or Ronald Reagan, they, they're thinking about the challenges that those people face that helped make them rise to become a great leader. And it all... It, it all traces back to this historical concept and understanding the context of how people respond to situations and the war in Ukraine or um, the in price of life today and inflation. We can take a look back at the trends over time and understand better. How is this impacting us today? How is it going to, how do we think this is going to impact us in the future? My daughter just asked me about, you know, is this, is this as bad as the great depression? And then about 10 minutes later, she said, Oh, I am so sorry. I asked a historian about the great depression. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, this isn't comparable at all. <laughs> We're going to be here a while. Oh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> That's so great. Uh, I'm kind of running out of time, but real quick, you are looking for more volunteers. If I yes. wanted to volunteer down at the museum, what do I do? You can call me at 307-675-1150, or you can find all of our contact information uh, on our website, museumbighorns.org. Um, email me, call me. I am really, really looking forward to getting to know more people in the community and how we can work together to keep doing the work we're doing. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for the conversation this morning. It's great having you in here. Thank you. I really appreciate this. This is so much fun. <laughs> it's, it's fun, right, to talk about the <laughs> philosophy of history. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk the, 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 to the Director of de- and Development Marketing Director for Wyoming 211. Sorry, I got to laughing too hard. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 and a $1,000 marketing match donation from Shared Media as part of their community commitment. School District number three is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust, shared media present, community commitment, member FDIC. Champion Funeral Home is dedicated to providing compassionate and personalized service to your families. They provide support, personable care, and affordable prices to Sheridan and Johnson County and surrounding areas. Champion Funeral Home has been family-owned and operated since 1911. They will comfort you in your time of need and provide your family with a meaningful tribute to your loved one. Contact Champion Funeral Home at championfh.com or call 674-6369. Why wait for a so-called tire sale to buy tires? Hi, this is Chris Hayden with Hammer Chevrolet. There's plenty of winter left, so if you find yourself sliding all over the road, let's get you some new tires. With our price match guarantee, you don't have to wait for a sale. If you provide us with a better price at the time of purchase, we'll match it. Find a better price within 30 days of the purchase, we'll refund the difference. You can't beat our price match guarantee on brand name tires from Hammer Chevrolet, 107 East Alger. Is Wyoming Corporate Office your one-stop shop for everything you need for your Wyoming-based business, LLC, or corporation formulation? Yes. Service of process and mail forwarding services? Indeed. Fulfill the legal requirements for small businesses based in Wyoming? Absolutely. Wyoming Corporate Office provides the communication between your business and the state, so you don't have to. Learn more by visiting wyomingcorporateoffice.com today. Legacy Diamond and Gems is so thankful for your patronage in 2022, making it their most successful year ever. Striving for excellence at Legacy Diamond and Gems is always their top priority, and they are taking important steps this year to improve their overall efficiency and preparing for their complete store remodel. They are improving their service with new store hours, 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., Tuesday through Friday, and 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday. Close Sundays and Mondays, Legacy Diamond and Gems, 11 North Main Street in downtown Sheridan. Wanting or needing to sell your home, but you have an abundance of belongings? There are a few pathways and clutter that you do not want to have to deal with or have a realtor see? Wild Innovation is here to help. They will make you a cash offer on buying your home with minimal to no basis. Bank involvement. Why our innovation does not judge is confidential, private, 
and may even assist you in moving your abundance of items. Learn more at YRInnovation.com or find them on Facebook. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. For the second part of our show this morning, I am joined by phone by Olivia Sean, the Director of Development and Marketing for Wyoming 211. Good morning, Olivia. Hello there. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. Now, for those who are listening out there who may not know what 211 is, what is this service? So we are a statewide helpline and website. We provide free and confidential information and referrals about health and human services. Now, all I got to do is just call the number and with a need and you can direct me in the right uh, way. Yeah, so we provide information on available services that can meet an individual's pressing needs, um, including an awareness of programs and services that promote education and health and tools that can assist in moving um, people out of poverty and onto self-sufficiency and improving their health outcomes. And so you have a couple of options uh, to connect with us. You can either pick up your cell phone and simply dial 211. Or you can visit our website at wyoming211.org, and I'll tell you about our fancy website here in a second. Or you can uh, text your zip code to 898211 and start a live chat um, about what your needs are. So we, we have a brand new website we just launched this month. It's got some really cool tools in it. One of them is an accessibility tool. So if you're dyslexic or you need a larger font, um, those are some options that you can view our website um, to help you in in those specific ways. We also have um, a language tool so you can change the language um, in the way that you view the website as well. All of our Wonderful database of resources are still available to search um, on there through our search engine, but we've got some really cool things that are happening on our really, website this year. It's pretty fascinating the way that you were able to uh, uh, make those services available for those suffering from dyslexia or maybe some vision issues that they're they're challenged yep. with and, 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 and able to change that. I. Maybe maybe there's something that the techies know that I don't, that that's available a lot. <laughs> but your website is the first that I've ever heard to offer that as something that is easy to do, uh, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, one of those things that's very, you know, forward thinking, in my opinion. Now, we, talk, Thank you. we talked a little bit about uh, the information. Could you give me a couple examples of information that I can find or that I could ask for? Absolutely. So um, what we receive the most calls from are um, for shelter, food, rent and utility assistance, uh, transportation. So we 
just partnered um, through the United Way Worldwide and the Lyft program um, for something called RUTA, Ride United Transportation Access Program. And so if you call with a need um, to be able to, you need transportation to a specific service that's health or human related. Um, so let's say a doctor's appointment, or you need to go pick up your prescription, or you have a job interview that you need help getting to. Um, that RUTA program can provide transportation to you through using Lyft. Um, so that's kind of a new um, cool resource that we um, provide information about. Um, we also have very specific uh, resources that are tailored to certain people groups. We have a wide variety of resources available to the aging and disabled community, um, women and families, the LGBTQ community. We have um, veteran services that are very specific to that people group and um, active duty as well. Um, so it's it's a really neat um way that we can help out those um, specific people who have um, um, a variety of needs. Now, when it comes to uh, who can utilize this service, say like the RUTA, uh, this isn't just mm -hmm. uh, because I don't want to fire up the car today, right? <laughs> You're exactly right. There are specific um, things that... Um, that this particular service can be used for. And like I said, they are health and uh, human service related. So, um, you know, job interviews, um, assistance um, in some sort of medical way, um, like I said, taking you to the doctor or to grab a prescription, um, those are those kind of services. Even if you're, if you're out of groceries and you're in need of um, picking up groceries, this service can be utilized for that as well. So essentially, two on one is can be looked at as as much more than, but a massive directory of services that are available to all of us. Absolutely. So we have a database of over twenty six hundred resources throughout the state of Wyoming, and um, every government agency, every uh, faith based agency, and every nonprofit organization that's in. Wyoming are in our database and they're specific to your zip code. So when you call and let's say I'm a single mom in Sheridan and I have come upon a really hard time and I have two kids and I'm not really sure how I'm going to feed them for the rest of the week. Um, you know, if I, if I dial 911, that's not really an emergency, right? Um, it can feel like an emergency to me. Um, but, but that's not what 911 is for. Um, and then if I Google, I'm hungry, um, it's just going to be annoying and pull up a bunch of restaurants that I can't afford. But if I pick up my phone and dial 211, then I'm connected to um, a caring and experienced community resource specialist, and I can tell them what my needs are. And um, not only will we um, provide and service your immediate needs and tell you what's available in your local area, we'll ask a series of questions that um, will help um, maybe draw out what other needs you have um, and provide services that you didn't even know were available to you. Um, so that's that's what the caring um, community specialists um, do. They hear and they listen, they understand what the needs are, and then they connect um, our callers to appropriate resources that are available in their community. 
Olivia, how how long has this been around, and who developed this service? Yeah, so um, it was developed in um, by the FCC in the 2000s. Uh, Wyoming 211 was officially launched in February of 2011. And the whole idea, so every state has a 211 phone number. Not a lot of people know that. So no matter what state you are in, um, and no matter where you're calling from within that state, um, you're connected to their 211 call center. And um, the whole idea was to alleviate um, the number of non-emergency calls that 911 was receiving. Um, so um, we can free up those 911 lines to focus on callers with major health emergencies and accidents, fires, and natural disasters. Um, but sometimes people, they don't know where else to turn to because if they're experiencing a financial crisis, that can feel like an emergency. Yeah, I, yeah for um, sure. I know that that's the case. Yeah. So, um, but but there's no need for an ambulance or a fire truck in those situations, and so that's why two one one was created to help people in the midst of a crisis realize that that there are um, resources available to them. And when you're when you're distraught and when you're upset, it's often hard to to even figure out what that first maybe need is. Life feels overwhelming. You might have multiple things going on. Your your utilities are about to turn off. Um, You're hungry. Uh, You've got, um, you know, a job interview that's coming up, but you don't know how to get there. All those things can pile up to cause you to feel overwhelmed and distraught. And, um, and that's why our community resource specialists, they're, they're real people <laughs> who have been trained to kindly take those phone calls and help you figure out what that first immediate need is and then help you figure out what your resources um, that you're, you apply for that are available to help figure out all the rest of those things. How many folks are, are manning the phones for Wyoming's 211? So we have um, four call center reps and um but we like i said have um 24 hour access to us through the texting app as well as through our website that's pretty amazing um so when i text and and remind me one more time how do i text 211 yeah so you text your zip code so wherever you're you're physically located at the time to 898 211. And the other individual and then that will initiate. Go ahead. The the individual on the other end of that is is a human. Yes. Wow. And that's 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Yes. And uh the services of the text are exactly like the call. I can ask any I'm looking for this. I'm 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 in need of uh, medical yep. services or or something food related exactly um you you would be getting the same service as if you were um searching through our um search engine on our website or on a phone call with one of our community resource specialists olivia who funds this service Thank you so very much for asking that question. So we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, Currently, we are surviving off of grants, which are lovely, um, but as you know, can be pretty restrictive. Um, So our goal 
this year and why my job was created as the director of development and marketing was to try to make us um, self-sufficient and um, have some unrestricted funds come in. So we are really, really hoping to up our donor intake this year and maybe even partner with some businesses for corporate sponsorships. Um, but currently, we are um, we do have some donors, and so we we've been um, surviving off of donor dollars and some grants. Um, other two one one agencies throughout the nation um, are you you know usually under a government um, head or um, United Way. Oh, really? So the United Way stepped in in some situations uh, to help fund. Yeah, in in some larger in some larger programs. Yeah. But here in Wyoming, we're we're surviving off of probably federal or state grants, both maybe. Yes. Yep. And donor and money. And also some some. Yes. Yep. Now, what kind of training are the uh, call responders receiving? This can't be cheap. I mean, I understand. Uh, you know, like you said, you can call this in crisis, and crisis uh, training yes. requires quite a bit. Well, I appreciate you asking that question because um, they are, our community resource specialists are under a um, eight-week training program before they're even allowed to take a phone call. Um, all of them are AIRS certified, um, which is an information and referral service um, certification. Um, they are all trained in crisis management. So when they receive a call, if someone is suicidal, which happens, we do receive those calls. We actually can do a warm transfer to 988, which is the suicide hotline. Um, So there have been multiple times where we have had to um, talk our clients off of a ledge and um, make that uh, a comfortable connection with the people that can that specialize in those things and can help out further. That's amazing. So there's there's a lot of training. I mean, eight weeks is not a short period of time. Uh, And and I. I can only imagine the kind of training that they have to go through. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, role play involved where they threw Because yes. working for a service like this, like you said, uh, someone might call and say, you know, I'm looking to perform self-harm. And that's a lot to deal mm-hmm. with as a caller if you're not a trained uh, hotline specialist. And so yeah. it's good to know that those folks are out there and they can handle a lot of different situations. Because, like you said, by the time yes, people are dialing this number, you know, maybe three out of four times, I'm already past the point of desperation. Exactly. And like I said, when you are when you have one problem that often snowballs into multiple problems. Right. And so when you're calling and you're distraught and it is a non-technical emergent need, um, you don't know where to start. You don't even know what to ask for help for. Um, and I have witnessed um, some really caring conversations that happen um, with our community resource specialists and how they just um, help you kind of take a breath of air after um, you figure out what that immediate need is and how we can help with that immediate need. And then and then trickle down to what else what else can we, you know, let's take that single mom that I mentioned in Sheridan. Um, maybe she didn't even know that WIC, um, Women, Infants, and Children program is a possibility. And um, we can help uh, get her the paperwork to fill out for that government service that she might be able to um, apply for. And so, 
you know, the immediate need now is I'm hungry. And so the first resource would be a food bank. But hey, why have we found ourselves in this situation? And how can we help you um, not be here next time? See, and that's really amazing. It's not just let's meet that immediate need, but let's get you out of this situation because there are services available that help with that. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's so difficult in this day and age to maybe even narrow down the service that I might need. Uh, there's a lot of different mm-hmm. organizations uh, that I have the option of using, but they might not actually deal with what I'm looking or, or looking to solve the problem that I have. Now, I, I, I can only imagine for, for responders, is there a wait time or, or are customers usually able to get through everything right away? Yeah, so there there is not usually a wait time. And I should say our actual call center business hours are from 8 to 6, Monday through Thursday, and then 8 to 5 on Friday. And so if you call with a need and you're not comfortable with using our website or using the texting option, um, then you can leave us a message and those calls all get called back on Monday morning. So like today, we had 99 messages. <laughs> Wow. So, um, all of, yeah. So our community resource specialist has spent this morning, um, calling those back. So two of them will focus on calling back messages and the other two will answer, um, time sensitive ones that come in today. So, um, but, but we do a really good job of servicing people as they call with their immediate needs, um, right then and there. It sounds like a very busy job that they have, uh, but it sounds like a fulfilling <laughs> job, um, I was going to say it's busy, but it's very rewarding. Yeah, and um, they are—they are lovely people who really care about Wyoming citizens, and it's—it's it's a gift to me to be able. I don't get to answer those phones. I am not trained in the area that they are. My job is just to tell people about what we do and to raise money. So um, it's a gift to be able to watch them interact with people and um, and see the good that comes from it. I actually. Uh, had the blessing of being able to interview one of our clients and um, she was talking about how, how important it was on the other end of the phone to have a caring, kind person um, answer her call um, because she was upset and she didn't know what to do. And um, she's quite a success story. So we, we referred her to um, a homeless shelter. She had left a, a battered, um, situation, um, um, a violent situation and fled out of state and, um, found herself homeless with a child. And, um, we were able to provide her with a resource called family promise that, um, provided, um, some temporary housing. Um, we also provided her transportation through that Ruta program to, um, get a job interview. She got a job and then we provided her, um, with paperwork and assistance in filling out the paperwork to get on the housing program. And so now she moved into her own, um, apartment with her son and is, um, saving money for a car. That's fantastic. Olivia, I'm, I've, I've run out of time. Uh, if you would do us a favor and just give us that number one more time and the website, please, very quickly. Absolutely. So dial 211 for assistance or visit us at wyoming211.org. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Olivia. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Share. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 and a $1,000 marketing match donation from Share to Media as part of their community commitment. School District number three is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust, Share to Media present Community Commitment, member FDIC. Great news if you've been waiting for a new vehicle from Hammer Chevrolet, Troy Baker. Bob, beside the 16 new Silverados that are coming in, we have a 2022 Chevy Colorado for $42,130, a new 2023 Chevy Tahoe for $65,50, or a new Chevy Malibu LT for $29,570. So if you've been waiting for new vehicles, don't wait. Come see us. 16 new Silverados, a new Tahoe, a new Colorado, a new Malibu. 2023 is off to an awesome start at Hammer Chevrolet, 107 East Alger, online at hammerchevy.com. Our paint department is stocked up and ready to go. Hi, Kurt Smith here for the Sheridan Commercial Company. We're excited to help you with your next painting project. We have added the PPG line of paints along with our True Value paint line. This allows you so many new and exciting options for your next project. Whether you need help with customized color matching or choosing the right product, we're here to help. Great paint, great store. The Sheridan Commercial Company at 303 Broadway. Open seven days a week. You know, back in the day, eggs and toilet paper were so plentiful that we used to throw them at the homes of our enemies. And the same goes today for your 4 side-by-side and snowmobile. They're no longer able to be tuned up by you or fixed by you. And if you do do it, you won't do it right. Enter Hando Service Center, where if you can't get your machine into the shop, Joel, come and get it, fix it up, tune it up, and bring it back easy-peasy, non-greasy. Hando Service Center on Sheridan's Heartland Drive. You're invited to the 6th Annual Little Goose Ranch Production Sale January 28th at Buffalo Livestock Auction. Selling will be 50 yearling Angus bulls and 12 open yearling heifer mates. This is an outstanding set of registered black Angus bulls featuring progeny influenced by top-named sires such as Coleman Resource, Ranger and Bravo, Sitz Ballot, and others. Free wintering and delivery within 500 miles. Visit littlegooseranch.com for further information. Make plans. Join us in Buffalo, January 28th, 1 p.m. for the Little Goose Ranch production sale. I'm Leslie Segretti, and this is News Talk 930 KROE.